0: Hello and welcome everybody to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy. I'm here with Andy and Steve. It is a beautiful, beautiful day here in BC. Um, well, at least where I am. I think it is for you too, Andy. We're not too far away.
1: Beautiful British Columbia. <laughs> yeah, it's it's beautiful here too. Uh, boys, you know, we are going to be reaching in the next couple of days here, 38 degrees. Oh no. That is around the 100 degree Fahrenheit mark for you Americans, fellow Americans. I it's gonna get hot, yikes! Yeah,
2: and I um actually got this screenshot from my father in law. So Osos is a place that's sort of in the interior BC. I'm gonna it's stop kind of you. I'm dry. gonna stop
1: you right there. <laughs> Osos. Oh, okay.
2: Come on. Are we gonna are we gonna argue over this now? Osoyous? I was gonna say, I'm like, man.
0: You... <sighs> You've got to get cultured, it. man.
1: I can see it on your face, Troy. I can see that he's like, "Oh man, I'm gonna let it go." You let it go. I couldn't do it. I don't know which. I don't know which is right, Steve. But I prefer my one. way of saying it. Try that one more yeah. time, Steve. We'll keep the clip yeah. for
0: you.
2: So for. For you listening from outside BC, there is some <laughs> debate over whether it's osoyus
1: or ossoyas. Not a lot of debate. I'm and, not gonna lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to bring this up because I'm particularly sensitive as an Oregonian. Anyone that's grew that grew up in Oregon knows like Oregon. You wanna get somebody fired up in, in Oregon, you call it Oregon. Anyway. Oregon. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> Throwing it back so over. Anyway, anyway, this place, Osoyoos. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you well like that better? Yeah, I appreciate uh, okay. it. Thank you. Um, so it, it's 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 in interior BC. It's a little bit farther down south, and it's a bit of a dry area. It's blazing. Uh, the <laughs> screenshot that my father-in-law sent me, man, they're looking at like going over 40, like 45, 46. Like this is ridiculous, even for this area, and so we're we're looking at a really hot week
1: coming up here. Asoyas is the Garden of Eden of Canada.
0: I swear, full stop. It, it's it is so hot. Like I remember, the first time I went through there, we stayed for we stayed for a weekend. I don't even know how we. Oh yeah, we chose it because we we're meeting our uh, my sister, my wife's brother. We we're meeting them there, and I remember going there and being like. Where is this place? Like, it it felt like I was in the middle of the, like, a deserted part of the prairies with a lake. <laughs> People everywhere. I was like, well, what is this?
1: There's lots of fruit that
0: grows there and uh, some of the
1: best fruit I've ever had. Hey, listen, mm-hmm. though, we got to get into our topic. Uh, that was a fun rabbit rabbit trail. Thank you for that, Steve.
0: <laughs> rabbit trail,
1: rabbit hole, whatever you want to call that.
0: And next week, we'll work on pronunciation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Where are we going today, guys?
2: Yeah, so I brought this one up with Andy and Troy because I had a conversation with a friend a few weeks ago, um, and she asked me about personality tests. So, you know, Myers-Briggs or Enneagram and all kinds of other personality tests that are out there. And she just wondered what a Christian worldview... Might have to say about personality tests? Does this kind of lock us in in terms of, you know, what our personality is like? Like, how should we think about them? Uh, what does this say about whether we are developing or how should we view other people through their personality test results? Those kinds of things. And so, Andy, Troy, and I, we took some different um, personality tests. I took the, the Myers- Briggs one from 16personalities.com What about you guys?
0: Yeah I ended up taking that uh, the same one as you same one as you Steve and okay. it was yeah it wasn't very long it was it's pretty interesting. yeah what about you Andy?
1: Yeah I'm looking forward to hearing about your guys's test The one I took was the Enneagram now one of the reasons I, I took that one is because there's been some quite a bit of controversy over it but as well yeah. I have a dear friend of mine that has like begged me for months to take that test. Uh, <laughs> and so I figured okay, I have now taken yeah. I've now taken it and I sure I will share my results with the world.
2: Uh, all right. So <laughs> the 16personalities.com one that like I said is based on Myers-Briggs type indicator and if you're not familiar with Myers-Briggs uh, it's basically, uh, you look at kind of four aspects of you, and these are represented in four different letters. And so, well, actually, there are eight letters. It's a combination of those things, and it gives you 16 different personality types, sort of categories, if you will. So you might have heard people saying things like, oh, you're an INFJ, or you're ESTJ, or I am INTP, or something like that. So that's Myers-Briggs. So I took mine and I come out as mediator, INFP. Okay, um, I'm just going to read just a little bit. For those of you who know me, you might be going like, oh yeah, this is totally Steve. So a mediator, INFP, is someone who possesses the introverted, intuitive, feeling, and prospecting personality traits. These are personality types uh, these rare personality types tend to be quiet, open minded, and imaginative, and they apply a caring and creative approach to everything they do. Although they may seem quiet or uh, unassuming, INFPs have vibrant, passionate inner lives, creative, and imaginative. They happily lose themselves in daydreams. My wife is laughing so hard right now, uh, inventing all sorts of stories and conversations in their minds. These personalities are known for their sensitivity. Mediators can have profound emotional responses to music, art, nature, and people around them. And we're idealistic and empathetic. Unless we have uh, something like some key value that we perceive as being violated, then we turn pretty ferocious, apparently. So that's my (laughs) sort of personality type,
0: apparently. Noted.
2: Yeah. Uh, What about you,
0: Troy? Troy? so oddly enough i got mediator as well i got infpa and infpt okay um so mine says a little bit different um although they seem quiet or unassuming mediators infps have vibrant passionate inner lives creative and imaginative they happily lose, lose themselves in daydreams inventing all sorts of stories and conversations in their minds Um, Known for their sensitivity, mediators can have profound emotional responses to music, art, nature, and people around them. Idealistic and empathetic. Uh, long for deep, soulful relationships, and they feel called to help others. But because this personality type makes up such a small portion of the population, mediators may sometimes feel lonely or invisible, adrift in a world that doesn't seem to appreciate the traits that make them unique.
1: Yeah. Do you you resonate
0: with that, Troy? A thousand percent.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Troy's a lot like me then. Um, So if I were to hazard a guess... You tend to leave things, if you have a deadline, you tend to leave things to the last minute. Oh,
0: 100%. 100%. I work, <laughs> I work way better with a small window than yeah. if you give me like months on end. You
2: thrive under on- pressure, don't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so in some ways with you, know, you and me both being INFPs, it makes a lot of sense that you and I are both interested in music. Right, 'Cause we we thrive on it. Yeah. Now, Andy, you took yours that's a little different, Enneagram. Yeah,
1: and by the way, I just need to just state I am not a procrastinator. I am <laughs> I am one of those people that uh, plans out, you know, I, I kinda like I guess I'm I meek due dates for myself and then I, mm-hmm. I will seek to to uh, get those things done at that time. By the way, for friends of mine though, I, I even hesitate to share this with both of you. But for friends of mine that I know are procrastinators, I will give them false due dates. So like I have Mm -hmm. a friend of mine who's just terrible. So I need an endorsement for my book. So I told her that I needed it weeks before I actually needed it. She got it to me like five days late and is all apologetic. I'm like, it's all good. It's all good. I actually don't need it for another week.
0: <laughs> Congratulations. You got played. Yeah, you got played. You're not just on
1: time, you're ahead of time. So, uh mm. she she laughed hysterically at that. A little pro tip for y'all. Uh so listen, yeah, I did a little bit different. I did the Enneagram. And if you're wondering, by the way, uh what I'll do, what I'll do for people who are interested, I'll will uh I have not taken the, the same test. I did not take the same test that, that these guys did, but in hindsight, I'll take that test and I'll post my results uh, on the show notes. How about, how about that? Right. So, just for those people very interesting. that are curious or into that one. Uh, but with regard to the Enneagram, if you know how that one works, and I got to be honest with you, I um, I don't understand <laughs> really well how this one works. All I know is, is that my personality style is a type five uh so if you're wondering what a what a type 5 is here here's an overview this personality style is called the investigator because more than any other type 5s want to find out why things are the way they are they want to understand how the world works whether it is the cosmos the microscopic world the animal vegetable or mineral kingdoms or the inner world of their imaginations they are always searching asking questions and delving into things in depth they do not accept re- received opinions and doctrines feeling a strong need to test the truth of the most uh, of most assumptions for themselves so <laughs> I'll just,
0: so you're an apologist. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's why time
2: flies when you're, when you're researching It's just like, dang it. Where did my
1: time go? I know I should just stop there. Like everybody's like, Oh, come on. Like that, that's not even like, fun. So you were
0: suited for this job. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is Taylor made. It is
1: funny though. Cause when I was doing my doctoral work, I Nancy's like, Oh man, I feel so bad for you. You know, as I'm like just plowing day after day into, into doctoral work. Um, <clears throat> And, and I'm like, you, you like, don't even feel bad for me. Like, I know this is weird, but I, I love every minute of what I'm doing. Like, I, like this isn't, <laughs> this is, mm-hmm. this is, this is joyous right. for me that, and that's kind of one of those things that's really, anno- the, the part that annoys me, uh, or annoyed me about doctoral work is that my entire day could just evaporate so quickly, mm-hmm when i'm when Mm -hmm. i'm uh, when i'm doing research at any rate the part though that i don't fully understand to in all fairness to the enneagram is they there's these things called wings so maybe what i'll do in the show notes is just post what my little diagram looks like but my Mm -hmm. other uh high points is, is i i believe these would be wings would be uh the eight the one and the three my lowest is a four Again, I don't fully understand how that works, but when I just look at myself as a Type 5 and I read through what it says about the Type 5, and of course there's more that can be said about that, uh, I see that it is it is accurate. And I do just want to point out that there are other examples, guys, of um, Type 5s uh, that would include... Uh, Buddha apparently. I don't, I don't know how they got Buddha in there. But, okay. Uh, Albert Einstein okay. is in there. Stephen Hawking is uh, is in there. You know. So, Bill Gates. Uh, I don't know how. Jean-Paul I... Sartre. <laughs> don't. Yeah. Come on. Like I, I'm trying to cherry pick here. No. <laughs>
0: To pick the best yeah, ones. just a- <laughs> pick-
1: so I thought that was interesting with each of the each of the different styles they'll give you an example of these people that that are also in there, so I'm not sure how I feel about that Agatha Christie, yeah Nietzsche <laughs> yeah.
0: <sighs> yeah see that's that's one of the things like when I'm looking at at mine, this is probably the first time I've ever taken a test in my life where it says that I'm introverted fifty seven percent introverted hmm. but for those who really know me, like my wife, I'm a very selective extrovert. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm going to go out and do something, mm-hmm. I have made up my mind, my decision. I'm very good with being like, nah, I'm cool. I'm going just, I'm to just stay home. I'm, yeah. I'm good and that sort of thing. But when then it comes down to between judging and prospecting, mm-hmm. that's where I'm like, okay, that's why apologetics is something that's really exciting to me because it's not a matter of I don't look at things for face value. And you know, sometimes to a fault, where everyone else is mad at someone, and I'm just like, "But do we know why they did that?" And people are like, mm. "It doesn't matter why they did that." <laughs> and I'm just like, "Well, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I get. It. I, hear me out now. Yeah. Hear me out, <laughs> right? You know, you know,
2: it's interesting because um, there is some conversation around, you know, whether your personality actually changes." Or if it's something else, because mm. like me, I used to be super shy. I was like super introverted and things like that. And I, as you know, like I, as I grew older, like now, like I have no problem meeting with people and things like that. But because I'm more introverted, I recharge my battery, so to speak, by being alone and doing like I, I need yeah, my personal same. space, right? There's only sometimes there are only so much of my children I can handle. I'm just like, can I some have time to myself, please? Um, but what what's interesting is now I, I I'm way less shy than I used to be, and so then some people might say, oh, your personality has changed a little bit. Uh, I've heard some people say, no, that's not the case. It's more the case that your personality is the same. It's more the case that you've learned some social skills. That's, that's mm, the difference. Yeah. Um, but your baseline kind of personality type is still the same, which raises a question, right? I, I want to hear you guys' thoughts. Like, what, what might be some positives that might come out of it? Like, what, what are personality tests good for?
1: I'll jump in here. I think that personality tests are, are actually really helpful, uh, really, really helpful. And so some people might disagree with me on that, but I'll tell you one thing that, that we're not great at in our culture, and I think that these tests can can be helpful in and I don't know if this has always been the case historically but but definitely seems to be the case these days. and maybe that's just because given how complicated the world is nowadays in comparison to the past, but we don't we don't take time to really understand ourselves very well. Mm. what What makes us tick? Uh, or what am I good at? What what do I? What am I not good at? I mean, there there's so many tests out there. Of course, another one that's quite well known is called Strength Finders, for example. Uh, you know, and mm. the one that I personally like the most is called the PSI or Personality Style Indicator. I mm. like it the most because I find it's very accurate. It's simple to use, and it can be applied very practically. Right. And so. This is where I want to get to because I, I in my time in ministry, I always made these uh, sorts of personality things, particularly the PSI, available to our young adults, and the reason mm-hmm. is is because, uh, from a very practical, uh, pra- from a from a pragmatic perspective, it's important to understand yourself uh, and what you're good at and what you're not good at if you're going to excel in a particular career, and so. I actually did a a, a whole podcast with uh, Ken Keys on the PSI mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so we'll we'll post that in the show notes if anybody's interested yeah. in checking that out but here here here's here's what I, the point that I want to make with regards to this in the past I would have hired people for example and put people into a, a job whether that be the church or into apologics Canada or whatever based on a vacancy instead of a position to fill versus is there a gifting that is going to both mm-hmm. excel now think about this cuz this is this is unique we often don't think about this okay so i have this this role that needs to be filled but not only who's going to best fill this role but but who is going to flourish in this role like what what's going to be best mm-hmm. for that individual we often don't think about the individual right mm-hmm. and what's going to lead to their good but th- this is interesting though cuz if you can get that right what's going to lead to their good it's also going to lead to your good like it's going to be mutually beneficial when you got somebody in the right spot that is you know swinging to their strengths if you will now you said Andy before that one of the
2: mistakes that you made in the past was in hiring somebody. You hired people that you that clicked with you because they
1: were like you. To put it differently, I'd say I liked them, so I would hire somebody mm. based on I liked them because I thought that that was what was important. Did I get along with this person? Do we, you know, do we have some sort of connection, if you will, or friendship or something, something to that? Because I I thought. Hiring had to do more with temperament. And I, mm-hmm. and I realized that that was completely wrong and, yeah. and ended in disaster every time.
0: You know, it's interesting you say that in, in like the, the workplace setting because I like, I'm not a coach, but in a lot of ways, I operate as a coach does. I, I'm the kind of person who I study the game, but I also study the people in the game. And so I've been thinking about like if I was ever a coach, I would have my players take an Enneagram. Even before I sign them to the team, Mm -hmm. I can see what's better going to fit the role. And there's actually a coach, uh, her name's Amanda Jones. She's the assistant volleyball coach at West Florida. In their recruiting process, they make the players, when they do an interview, they have them take an Enneagram. And she said, we have found that using the Enneagram as a tool to discover personality types is extremely helpful in recruiting it opens a dialogue that would otherwise take years to get into about topics such as fears, motivations, strengths and overall demeanor. Yeah. Because the truth is it's not just because a person's on a a soccer team or working for a company or organization yeah. it doesn't mean that that's where they fully want to be. It may for some it may be a step up for mm-hmm. to another to something else. For some it's a circumstance. I need this job. Mm-hmm. And and so taking that enneagram is really going to give you you know, like you were saying, Andy, it's going to give you a better perspective of who you're working with and and their motivations.
2: And I think that's the thing with personality tests in general. Of course, there are some really wacky and uh, poorly thought out personality tests out there, too. But then there are other ones that are a little bit better established, like Myers-Briggs or uh, personality style indicator, those kinds of things, which, by the way, Andy got both me and Troy to do. Um, and Andy has done it himself, and that has helped the us. PSI. In, yeah, sorry, PSI Personality Style Indicator, which um, Steve is I know sorry Troy be- is currently showing his results. Showing, <laughs> yeah, which if you're listening to this, you can't uh, really see it, but it has helped us kind of work together. And so, um, whether it's Enneagram or MBTI, um, Myers Briggs or whatever, I think it's it's helpful. That, for example, my wife and I, we've both taken Myers-Briggs, and so then when she does something, I have a better understanding of where she's coming from, and when she sees me procrastinating, she she understands where that's coming from. Because sometimes, it's kind of like this, sometimes when I am procrastinating, it's a sign of stress. And so then she understands. Okay, Steve needs some some time alone, kind of thing, because he's an
1: introvert. You know, you see how that works. She understands me a little bit better. Um, I think you're bringing up a really good point here, Steve. You know, we were talking about how this can be used in a workplace setting, but I have equally found that personality style tests in general uh, are incredibly helpful within relationships, particularly marriage relationships. So it it's not surprising that a lot of yep. pre-marriage counseling will include a personality mm-hmm. test. Because here's the thing, and we often culturally laugh about it, but we need to actually think a little bit deeper about this idea that opposites attract. The, the reality mm-hmm. is that opposites do tend to attract, and the reason's very simple. Opposites need each other. So it, it's yeah. it's kind of fascinating that the aspect of your spouse that can drive you the most crazy is actually some of the most important aspects that you actually need.
0: So mm-hmm. well, it's like love language, right? It's my wife and I, we've taken the that love language thing. How we show love and receive love are completely different. Mm-hmm. And so even when there's some things where it's like, Well, this is how I show love, and I'm like, Well, I don't receive that way. Right. It it actually is like, Oh. I actually have to work at this marriage. You know what I mean? Like in your mind, you're like, of course you work at your marriage, but it's really like, I have to fight and strive to give you love how you receive it. Mm. But in, in me fighting to give it to you that way, it also, as we found, opens me up to receiving it it, the way that, you know, she also knows how to give it naturally. So
2: did you take the five
0: love languages? We did. Yeah. So what's, what's your love language? So my love language is gifts and words of affirmation. Like I I like to give gifts and words of affirmation. And what about your wife? And my wife, hers is quality time Mm -hmm. and acts of service. So those two worked well together. But as far as quality time, like I'm someone who can be by himself. So I'm like, I don't, Mm. I love you, obviously. I love being with you, but I don't need, I don't require quality time with you to know that. We're in a good place. Yeah. And it's weird. Um, for those of you who haven't taken the five love languages, I found it
2: tremendously helpful. And uh, so take it. So there are five love languages, right? Words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And mine is words of affirmation and physical touch, right? So, and that kind of explains. I remember uh, my son Tavin, he, um, for Father's Day, brought this rock that's painted that says my dad rocks or whatever and there's it comes with a little note about the things that he likes about his dad or something like that one of the things that he said was well i I like my dad because he gives me lots of hugs and 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 things like that i'm like okay that explains things because that's how i show my affection is through hugs and kisses and and words of affirmation because often you show love by the way you receive love right So then this becomes a bit of a challenge, like my wife too, like her um, words of, uh, sorry, her love language is quality time and acts of service. And so like, we don't really have those things in common. So then I actually have to work a little bit harder. So when, you know, we finish our work for the day and in the evening, she says, Hey, do you want to watch a TV show together? Like, I know what that means. Right? It's not just, let's watch a TV show together. For her, she's looking for that, that quality time to feel loved. And so even though me, I just want my space, I'll often say yes, because now I'm choosing to spend that time with her to show her that I love her, right? And so sometimes, yeah, you, 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 there's got to be that give and take kind of a, you have to consciously choose to love someone when when it's not easy,
1: now this this is a good point here, guys, because uh, in the love languages uh, that's a very practical way of, of looking at how this teases out. In the personality styles though, it, this, this has similar implications applications. So if we if we take that and go back to this idea that opposites attract and that opposites need each other, like just take Nancy and I's relationship as an example. Nancy is has an incredible attention to detail. So she's one of those people that can create a spreadsheet and she can plot all the numbers you know, onto that spreadsheet and she can have that worked out. And she's happy to spend hours on something like that. That would literally kill my soul <laughs> yeah. to oh, yeah. create something like that, right? 100%. You guys, you can, 100%. you can appreciate that. However, I have learned to appreciate that skill because she's able to do something that... I can't stand. And so that then strengthens our relationship. And as well, she's able to help come alongside me and see where I have not done as good a job of paying attention to those details that I'm not interested in. And again, Mm -hmm. in the past, that used to annoy me, until I began to realize that, man, we are good for each other. Because this this now is actually a strength to me. This this actually helps me. But yeah. I had to I had to work through that.
2: Yeah. yeah. Now we talked a little bit about you know some positives of personality tests where it's helpful, but I've also seen some um, you know dangers that are associated with it. So for example, um, just kind of to connect with what you were just talking about, Andy, in South Korea right now. Myers-Briggs or MBTI, Myers-Briggs type indicator is huge, right? Like, especially among young adults and things like that. So much so that when they have like a, uh, like an orientation meeting at school and students introduce themselves, they'll actually tell you what their Myers-Briggs type is, personality type is. So my name is Steve, I'm an INFP. Oh, my name is Sharina, I'm an ISTJ or things like that, right? But here's the, here's the part where it can be a little dangerous sometimes people write you off students other students will write you off because they see you as incompatible with them right so some INFPs there I remember watching a tv show where this one girl was talking about how you know she's an INFP and she's like oh I hate ISTJs I'm just not and so for her when she potentially meet somebody if she finds out that this person is an ISTJ she's not going to give him a chance even right she mm. so this is one of the dangers where you know you can kind of lock people in to their personality types as though that there that's all there is to them
0: that's a great point steve cuz i was i was just thinking about before we're talking about enneagrams personality tests and how they they're super helpful And now we're sliding into where it's, you know, where, where are the dangers, but I wanted to offer a question to you guys, where do you find the difference then between personality tests and, you know, Enneagrams and those sorts of things and horoscopes, because there is a lot of people that just in the same way that we're operating with Enneagrams and personality tests, where, you know, getting to learn your peers, getting to know your loved ones for, for Mm -hmm. someone who may be, you know, living life with horoscopes uh, you know, there's, I know there's Christians who, you know, to a certain degree, pay attention to those as well um, for the same reasons. Where, where's the difference and, wh- you know, where are the, you know, potential dangers in that? Because I know naturally when we, we bring up horoscopes in church, it's like, whoa, whoa, slow down, you know? And, and I'm not, I'm not someone who's into any of that stuff, but I know that there are people who are. Where's the line drawn there?
1: Well, first, I think it's important to appreciate that with what Steve's getting at, one of the problems here is this is a very reductive way of viewing another person by reducing them to a a test, for example. As well, it's quite dangerous for you because – think about this, guys, for your own experiences. If your spouses were reduced to a test, and I can tell you right now that I would never have dated Nancy because I'd been like, oh, I can't stand that personality style, right, because – that's not me, right? So then, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Just date your own personality style? I mean, that that literally could be disastrous. Uh, so yeah. at any rate, that that so that's one aspect of this. So I think you got to be really careful because it's very reduction reductionistic, right? And and it could actually lead you astray. And to to your point though, uh, Troy, I think this is the the other danger then that that happens here is because then there's this mystical component that can be uh attached to some of these personality style uh tests and 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 I want to throw that out there because I think we have to be really cautious that not all of these personality styles uh tests are have this mystical component to them and This is something that surprised me with the Enneagram and my research into the Enneagram. Not only did I take the test, but I did do a deep dive into that that test. That test, and I'm sure there might be others, but this one in particular does have a spiritual component to it, and it does have some questionable history behind it that I think puts this one into a danger category. And, and, and perhaps we, we should unpack this a bit, but I, I would put this one into the danger category because I think this one could lead you into some negative uh, stuff, some some unhelpful theology. And let, and let me just briefly tell you what I mean by that. And I think, guys, we should just talk about this. We should unpack this a bit. But like, if you were to get caught into the Enneagram, I think you could easily take the Enneagram, as I did, and and see it as a personality style tool and i think you're totally safe i don't i don't think that that by the way though if you do look at it it totally looks like a pentagram and they're even they're even straight yeah. up about that they're like hey it looks like a pentagram it does so take that for what it is it already you know you already got me <laughs> on guard cuz you look like a pentagram <clears throat> but so so you could take that easily just see it as a as a personality thing but then you could Quickly from there, get caught up into the spiritual component that goes hand in hand with this particular test. And then you could find yourself reading a book, for example, called The Enneagram, A Christian Perspective, written by Richard Rohr, who is basically a full-blown Christian. I, I don't even want to use that word, but I'll use it because he calls himself a Christian, but he's just basically a New Age uh, he's a new age thinker who calls himself a Christian. Uh, as you can tell, yeah. I don't have a whole lot of patience or time for Richard Rohr <laughs> or, or or people like that. But think of, but look at that, how easy that would be for you. If you didn't know who Richard yep. Rohr was, and then you're taking the Enneagram and you start sliding into the spiritual aspect and you see a book called a Enneagram, a Christian perspective that gets high reviews on, mm-hmm. on uh, Amazon. Well, next thing you know, you're in, deep waters of new age thinking.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: And and I think that's really important. Like, I think a similar, I don't want to go down this road too much, but just to point out that we could say something similar about yoga, right? In my opinion, I know there are lots of opinions there. Some people are very uh, wary about the spiritual aspect of it. Uh, for me, when I look at yoga, just as you look at, Enneagram as just a simple personality test I think we could do the same thing with yoga' it's like it's basically stretching exercises then yep. I don't think there's a problem but if you start buying into the mystical side of things I think there is a danger there I want to bring up one more point like you said earlier uh, more of um we don't need to include this but the thing about opposites attracting just want to share this little story with y'all because when I first started dating Sharina, who is now my wife, um, I was over at the seminary where I was studying, and my Greek teacher, who was teaching Greek there, he, uh, he was something of a mentor to me. And so I asked Sharina to come see us, and I introduced her to him. And they had a chat, and then she, after she went away, Michael, my Greek teacher and mentor, he leans over to me and is like, she's the one for you. And I'm like, why is that? He's like, Steve, you tend to be a little disorganized. You're more spontaneous. And, uh, and you know, you're kind of, you're you're up there in the, the realm of ideas and things. She's way more practical. She's going to keep you grounded. She's going to keep you alive. Sheesh, that's a real <laughs> friend. Wow. Yeah, that's a real friend right there. You're up and here. And, <laughs> yeah, and... and Man, was he ever right? If I had locked myself into this thinking of, okay, she's that personality type I don't jive with her, then I would have missed out on this huge opportunity to, you know, do life with somebody that can actually make me a better person.
1: Steve, I can totally relate to that. I get caught up in my thoughts all the time, uh so much so that I miss exits on freeways and I constantly, you, you, yeah, you know what I'm, exactly what I'm talking about. I, I get it.
0: So, There's na- a running Oh, here. it is. A,
1: it's, clearly we were made for this ministry because uh, my wife will have to be like, she'll pull me out of my thoughts while we're driving and be like, don't miss this exit. Like, She's had enough of doing the whole roundabout thing, right? Like, oh, now we got to, you know, go back. So making sure, because she, she now, she's been married to me long enough. It'll be 20 years in September. She can see when I'm there. She can see what I'm when I'm when I'm in the clouds and I'm doing when I'm in my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Troy, Troy's showing some fish in there. Yeah, shes she brings me back. She's got me on the line, brings me back into reality and I don't miss the exit anyway. So again, but think about that how easy it would be to write somebody off like that, oh, they're not like me. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna we're not gonna do well together. actually, not like you. Yeah. that actually might be to your benefit.
0: Yeah, same yeah. same thing. Like my just my wife, she grew up on a farm in rural Manitoba. I'm very much from the city in every way, shape, or form. <laughs> Truth be told, like when I first saw her, I was like, "Oh my gosh, she is radiant," and 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 that's even face value, right? So I didn't even know where she was from or anything like that. That was all out the window. And so when I actually got to know her and I found out she was from a small, you know, from a small town and all those sorts of things, there was a part of me that was like. Just, ah, I don't know, like, I'm not a farm boy whatsoever, but I grew up in the prairies, mm-hmm. so I can fake it, but I am not a farm boy.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, that that's really interesting. Like, right there, right, we're talking about something that's not even specifically personality related, right? So this just goes to show that there's so much more to the person than just those four letters, if you're... Uh, you know, following the Myers Briggs thing, or just that one number if you're following Enneagram and what have you. Um, because, for example, me and my wife, one of the things that we kind of uh, agree on in terms of like where we jive together is our sort of appreciation for what other people think of us, right? Me having grown up in, in South Korea, in an Eastern, Far East country, high context culture, what other people think is important. And Sharina, even though, you know, she comes from a low context culture, her personality being what it is, she is very conscious of that. Not necessarily in a negative way. I mean, it can turn negative if it goes too extreme for both me and her. But this is a part where, that the, you know, our upbringing kind of merges together in a way that's kind of agreeable, right? Like, even though this is not, th- this is the sort of thing that's not going to be necessarily captured with Myers-Briggs or, or something like that. And so there's more to the person. Now, here's a question that I want to throw at you guys. Some people say you need to work on your strengths because working on your weakness is pointless. Other people say that you need to work on your weaknesses to kind of make up for where you are weaker? Where would you guys land
1: on that? Jeez. Oh, over the years for me, I think where I've landed from a biblical perspective is that it's that it's both that that there mm. is wisdom in uh identifying your strengths and honing your strengths. And and I and I have I have definitely seen that uh where it's gonna, it's gonna put you in a in a good place. However, uh, you know, because it's interesting. If you spend too much on your weaknesses, you will experience burnout in your job. So, so mm-hmm. you'll experience personal burnout. But if you spend too much time on your strengths, you'll burn everyone else out in your life. Be, like I've yep. never seen a person burn out when they are focused on their strengths. Right? they they yep. they're, they're doing mm-hmm. what they love. So there is this constant balancing act that's taking place there. And I think that when you uh, understand what Jesus calls us into uh, a life of, of humility and, and being being a servant, then you begin to see that that I can do both. that, that there are times that I'm going to be playing to my strengths, times that in, in, in the wisdom there, and there's times that I need to not excuse my weaknesses. Right and and for bad behavior perhaps or or act as though that's an excuse is what I'm trying to get at to mm-hmm. be rude or to not do things I mean because I could imagine mm-hmm. you know my like just as a silly example my wife asked me yesterday to to make dinner right well I suck at making dinner she knows that I know that <laughs> right but is that an excuse to go no hon I'm not going to make dinner well well of course not right it means that i'm going that i am happy to make dinner uh, th- that i w- i will do that and i will work on doing a better job of of making mm-hmm. dinner
2: by the way i appreciate your realistic assessment of your own cooking abilities <laughs> <laughs>
1: By the way, when yeah, she asks me to make uh, dinner, she knows it's going to be fried rice. That's that's my go-to. <laughs> <laughs> my
2: go-to. <laughs> Man, you can't cook dinner for me any day, Andy. Right, right. He is all the <laughs> I like
1: fried rice.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great question, uh, Stephen, and and I agree with you. I agree with you, Andy. I uh, I'll give people like a sports um, picture for you, like the way I look at it. It's like when I was. At like the height of really, really pursuing um, my career, we were in Florida, and it was a semifinal game. Everything is running perfectly, and all of a sudden, my hamstring just—I blew up my hamstring just middle of the game.
1: Explain, explain that to me. I, I need to for those for those of us who are not sports people. Like I'm thinking, like a flat tire. Like I'm imagining the explosion. explosion. <laughs> like,
0: so what does that mean, man? Like what? So. Uh, I guess blowout might be a little bit more graphic than it really is. But essentially, it's like if you were to take an elastic band and you were to just like and it's not properly warmed up and it was frozen, you can slightly tear it. You can rip it more than if that elastic band is warm. And even though it was Florida and I had warmed up, it wasn't warmed up uh, enough or because it was a tournament, there was already too much strain on it. And so it was tight. And so I ended up getting a slight tear in my hamstring. That was enough to literally, I was in full sprint and I like toppled over and rolled and everyone thought I broke my leg. Um, and it was bad. And so my, but my recovery, um, there's one thing you're told when you're recovering is not to overcompensate on the other leg because you can create a new injury in your recovery time by overcompensating. And for me, I was, I I was at a college campus, so I have to walk around to go to school wheel. It's not like wheelchairs. You can use them, but it takes way longer. And you know, I'm just one of those people that like, all right, let's heal this body. Let's get it moving. And so I'm spending a lot of time on my left leg. And while I was in that process, I ended up pulling my hamstring. So that's not a tear, but I ended up pulling my other hamstring. So now I have one leg that I can't do anything on. And then there's the other one where it's now got basically, it's like a charley horse that won't go away oh. in the back of my hamstring because I overcompensated because I focused so much on using my stronger leg that I overworked it because your body is meant to work together in union. And it's a it's like that quote is like the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. It's you need all of it together. Right. You need it it all is supposed to work together, even from a biblical standpoint, right? When you talk about even the body of Christ, we can't just focus on the weaker, we can't just focus on the stronger. It's like the body of Christ as a whole needs to operate together and not overlook one thing more than the more than the other. And so when I think about, you know, your skills and and your abilities, I found that the only way I've really grown is when I've agitated my weaknesses. When the things that I don't like doing, like uh, administrative things, when I force myself to be more administrative and work on the administrative side of uh, of my life, I have more confidence in them, in the rest of things.
2: Yeah, I, that that's a great illustration. Um, I think this is probably the best thing I heard from a friend of mine who was a big actually proponent of, Myers-Briggs um I I met him at Biola University when we were doing master's studies together or whatever he said this to me he said maturity comes when you work on your weaknesses right And and I found that to be very true and me like like you Troy I tend to be a very spontaneous person and when something comes up that I hadn't foreseen um if it's the right kind of thing, I tend to just go with it. So um, I, I'm very spontaneous that way. And if I feel like doing something just randomly, I'll do it. So one day, right, I've been looking at this one seal in the bathroom that wasn't done properly. I looked at it, looked at it, and. And then just one day, one Sunday, we have family over. Like nothing about this situation lends itself to, okay, this is the time to repair the seal. (laughs) And Sharina finds me repairing the seal. And she's like, what are you doing? Today was the day. (laughs) Today was the day. And it's not even like, you know, I planned, okay, I'm going to do it this day. It was just like, I see it. It's bothering me enough. Now I'm going to do it kind of thing, right? Because I know that about myself... Uh, i I tend to be disorganized and so then what I'll do is I'll use something like a planner like an actual like physical notebook kind of a planner and I'll every Sunday I'll sit down and I'll write out what I need to do for the week and then I'll just kind of try to follow that right because that helps me keep organized even though this is this doesn't come to me naturally when I do work on the, so i when I kind of work on my weaknesses, I become a more mature person. I understand that, you know, somebody like Nancy needs me when I say I'll do this by this time, I have to hand it in by that time. When when I tell tell you guys that I'm gonna have the notes and the outline ready by Monday of this week, I, I will I'll have to work on that. You know, like and so Sometimes, yeah, like you said, Andy, earlier, like sometimes I create those fake deadlines for myself. <laughs> um, but the problem is if I know that's fake, it's not as effective. Yeah. So one way that might be helpful for you and me, Troy, is this is a trick that Sharina uh, learned and taught me, is you you, you something's gotta be you, you gotta have a stake, right? You got you, you, you gotta have stake in the game, right? Um so she said. One thing you could do is buy lots of like gift cards and things like that, right? For a project, when you finish the project, you can use the gift cards. If you don't finish it by that deadline, you have to give them away. Oh, so you're losing something, right? That's good. That's good. It it motivates you, right? So you have to lose. So you're you're creating some pressure
1: for yourself.
2: Yeah. Right, because we understand. Troy and I work better under pressure, and that's why when I was working as a translator, my thing always worked. Like if my deadline was whatever, like if and I had two weeks to work on it, I always worked on it the last three days. And and man, like we can go for three days and nights, like without stopping. Oh yeah, stopping. If I if we understand, there's I have to do this. And here's the pressure that really works for me. I am a very people oriented person, as I'm sure you are, right? So if the thing that motivates me is I don't want to let people down mm, right yep. And so when I when there's the deadline about the the notes and the outlines, it what motivates me is not so much that this is a deadline. What motivates me more is that if I don't do this, I'll let the rest of the team down. That's what motivates me. Now um, I think
1: But to kind I of think this is an yeah. important point just to connect some dots here. So it's mm-hmm. easy then for somebody to take a personality style test and to be like, oh, my test indicates that I'm a procrastinator. Thus, you don't submit a paper on time to university or a project Mm -hmm. at work, and you just excuse that away and say, oh, but that's my personality. that's just who I am. am. That's my personality. See, that's, I think, one of the dangers uh, that we're we're trying to get at. This is a danger that you can then just excuse this away. Instead of saying, hey, this is a weakness. I need to work on this. Uh, and mm-hmm. and move forward. Now listen, though, that doesn't mean, though, that there would be wisdom in you putting yourself into a job that required you to do that on an ongoing basis. Because uh, yeah, if you do that, right. you will not last in that job. See, see that that's right. just not yeah. wise. In that case, it would be better that you identify your strengths and put yourself into a place that you're continuing to swing to your strengths, not though that you're excusing your weaknesses
0: that's a, that's a really good point. And it just, it just really brings me to thinking about, man, this is even now it's like, I'm just re I'm relearning a lot about who, who I am in Christ and, and who the Lord is to me. And it's just really coming back. Like, you know, like I've been a Christian or in a, in Christian circles, my entire life. And it's really, it hasn't been until I put myself in vulnerable positions that my faith has really, really grown. Like getting under godly accountability that's not afraid to say no to you. You know, my pastor, he's, he's not afraid to call, to call me out if I need to be called out, but he's also not someone who's going to withhold, you know, loving and affirming me. But it really comes for me is just like how important our identity in Christ is. If we're not looking at who Christ says we are, and how we are identified according to the scripture? Then I'm gonna get. I'm gonna run away with enneagrams. I'm gonna run away with horoscopes because I'm because ultimately we're all trying to, just humanity. We are trying to find our Eden, our origin of identity. We're trying to find that place where it all made sense. That place where we we had we felt like we had value, and we were cared for, and we were loved and nurtured. Understood. And it's what. And understood. And that's why we just we throw ourselves at these these different mm-hmm. things. And we throw ourselves as like we were talking earlier, Steve, you're pointing out about love language, why we throw ourselves into these love relationships where we feel understood. But the thing is, are you putting yourself in a position to grow? I think sometimes we we put ourselves in relationships with people that are like us so that we feel safe. We're like, oh, we relate. At the same time, maybe you relate too much, and that familiarity is killing your growth.
2: Yeah, I think what you're getting at there, Troy, is that even these personality tests <clears throat> and what we want from them is really a reflection of our longing to be loved and to be understood. It's that search for that Garden of Eden, right? Um. I- Yeah, I I just think there is something to be said about God made us the way we are, but my caution to everyone is not to lock ourselves or other people into the four letters or that number or whatever it is, always recognizing that God has given us this capacity to rise above some of these tendencies when it's needed. So that would be my word of encouragement and caution.
1: Now, on that word of caution, as we close the the podcast here, uh, there will we will post some stuff on show notes for those of you interested. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, with regards to enneagram, there are some co- uh, concerns that I have, given its history, given the esoteric wisdom it tends to want to uh, come out of and point towards, and particularly you see this in the numerology. You know, again, you don't have to take that test in that direction, but that that is there. There's some some great sites that we came across, uh, particularly within uh, some Catholic research that was done on this, uh, that uh, that you might find helpful. So we'll we'll drop that there. So be wise as you're taking these tests.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. We pray you were challenged and encouraged. The AC Podcast is a ministry of Apologetics Canada, and as such, make sure to like and subscribe on your preferred streaming platforms so you never miss an episode. But until then, as always, love God, love people. Tune in next week when we have more things to think about. Bye for now.